Welcome to Season 6 of Business Book Talk. Every week, we have a business book author talk about their book and discover why they wrote it. The conversations are casual in tone, but we try and dig a bit deeper into the subject of the book and discover the author's background and their core ideas. I'm sure you'll like this week's book, so let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Bob again. I've got Mobilize, an insider's guide to the business and future of connected technology. And I've got Essie Moati with me today. And I love mobile, so this is going to be a fun conversation. Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. Great to be here. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about connected technology. I mean, it's such a massive, massive topic these days. Everybody's into it. But I think a lot of people have no idea how big a cultural and business shift this has created over the last, I would say, 10 years. Do you feel that people just can't keep up with the technology or the concept of the capability of their technology? Absolutely. And sometimes I can't keep up myself, you know. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been uh, a dozen years of, of building mobile products, uh, some of them now used by billions of people, uh, you know, the, the stuff I did at Facebook. But still things change so fast that it's really hard to keep up. So one thing that really helps me there is to remember what the essence of mobility is, and I define it as two very simple things. One is it uses our real identity, and two, it knows our context. And real identity, you know, my phone knows probably more than I know about myself. It has my health data, it knows the phone number of everybody I know, and I don't remember a single phone number. <laughs> it knows my, you know, my calendar, like a lot of different things. That's, you know, my real identity and things that I even don't know about myself. And then my context, it knows where I am, it knows where I'm going to next. It you know, it knows a lot of things about me and my environment. Hmm. Now, you know, one one of the things that, that people get all uptight about is, you know, does my mobile device or or do I as as a person in this this very connected world, am I giving up too much of my information? Is that being used in a negative way? My I personally feel that the more you give, the more you're gonna get. But there's there's many, many people that are very uh worried and and uh quite frankly, uptight about the amount of information that they give out. Do you think that in the long run with the next generation and the generation after that, this will basically be a, a non-issue? Bob, you're right that um, the issues around privacy is very much a generational thing. When you survey your baby boomers versus millennials, the baby boomers really care about it. The millennials don't really care about it. Uh, so definitely there's a generational thing here. Um, I think it's it's a huge deal because, you know, we're talking about our smartphones right now, but mobile devices, connected technology, it's everything, right? Tomorrow it's going to be a watch, a pair of glasses, a pair of clothing, you know, our, our homes. So it's much bigger than just the smartphone. And um, definitely, I think that we underestimate the uh, extent to which we need to have control over what we give and what we get. So like you said, right, the great side, great side of knowing a lot about you is that you can personalize the experience. But then at which point you get worried that big brother, like government, right, is going to be um, looking at your information. And that's a reality in a lot of countries. 
Now, you know, the, the book is about the strategy of, of creating uh, mobile applications or, or, or mobile functionality for your business. Um, and, and I wanted to ask you, that, you know, that's a rapidly evolving thing that everybody wants to get into. Do you feel that this is just the first generation of, of application and, and, and business tools that have come out, and then in five years it'll be a completely different, um, well, not even platform, I would say, but just like a, a different experience or, or the way people integrate with their applications is going to be completely different? Or are we just going to continue on the way we are today? I think things are just going to accelerate. If you don't have a mobile strategy today, the chances that you're still going to be in business five years from now are really low. And the list is really long of examples where this happened. You know, do you remember a Kodak moment? What, what happened to Kodak? Do you remember BlackBerry and Motorola and uh, Nokia even? In just a couple of years, and now Yahoo, right? In just a couple of years, failing to make a successful transition into mobile is, is uh, lethal to companies. So my recommendation is have a mobile strategy now, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a big app, a smartwatch, a tablet and everything. There are some basics, and I'm happy to get into that if, if that's interesting to your audience. Um, but, but things are going to keep changing at the same crazy rapid pace. So that mobile strategy is going to need to be updated all the time. Well, you know, you're right, and I think it's going to accelerate and keep accelerating. I've got a couple of teenage girls, and they multitask, but they don't look at it at multitasking. They just look at it as regular life. And, you know, for, for you know, there's been a lot of books that have gone out that multitasking doesn't work. Maybe for us old folk, but for, for teenagers, they've had mobile devices their, their whole life. They've basically... Uh, grown up with multiple forms of information happening at the same time, um, an unending um, availability of content for themselves. So I think their brains are fundamentally different than ours. Do you think that's going to affect um, how companies move forward in the future with their mobile strategy? I think so. And I think that, you know, what's exciting about mobile is that it's the first time that a technology is brought into companies from people, as opposed to, you know, IT organizations, back office departments, up, you know, top down orders and things like that, right? The, the, the sales clerk, the financial analyst, the janitor, everybody has a phone and brings it to the office. And that completely changes the way we work. I think it changes the culture of companies dramatically. And I also think, you know, to your point about multitasking, there are, it, it's so interesting to see like how people today do so many things at the same time and you know some people say well that means that you know we're not as engaged with our community as we used to be we're not as social and so on well that's actually not true if you look at studies there has been a bunch of studies and I mentioned one in my book that says that people who are more um, who spend more time uh, on their phones and on social media are actually more socially connected and also you know if you remember um, or your parents probably remember the early days of televisions. There were articles saying, oh, my God, television is dangerous. It's going to eat your soul, you know. <laughs> and we're saying similar things about mobile today. So what's true is that we haven't found real social norms and rituals for how we interact, you know, in society with our mobile phones. But we will and we have to. Yeah, well, it's... 
as uh, you know, reality moves forward and evolves and changes and morphs, the people that have been on this planet a longer time have a harder time keeping up with that and just get tired of evolving themselves to get into it. And and that's that's a lifestyle choice and that's that's a a personal choice. But I personally, I spend a lot of time and energy trying to keep ahead of the curve to the point where my kids can come to me and say, hey, you know, have you seen this? Or I'm stuck here with this piece of technology and I'll be able to give them a strategic uh, way of approaching it. I may know nothing about that technology or that app or whatever. I'll be able to look at it and say, oh, okay, I kind of get the underlying thing that this app is trying to do for the person and then give uh, my daughter some advice. Well, you know, try uh, approaching it this way and uh, then... They're gone and they don't come back because they're able, they're given a direction they can go figure it out themselves. That's awesome. Do you think people underutilize their amazing telephones? I think so. And particularly businesses, you know, one thing I've learned from building all these um, mobile products is that we see them as an extension of ourselves. And so when I think of, you know, and, and when I was thinking of, and writing my book, thinking of what are the characteristics, the rules behind the most successful mobile products, I started looking at who are we when we are our best selves. And then I use the mind-body-spirit framework to describe that. And, you know, so so body, we, we all want to look good. We want our mobile products to look good. I think on that, we do a pretty good job. Our mobile products mostly look good. Spirit, we all want meaningful lives. And we expect the same, that our mobile products will be very personalized. I think there's a ton of opportunities there. We underutilize the capabilities of our devices. And then the third one, the mind rule, which is we all want our to keep learning and keep growing. That's probably why your listeners are our fans and followers. And we expect the same thing from our mobile products. We were talking about the pace of change and how quickly things change. I think we can do even better there. So to me, the opportunities that I see on mobile right now that are underutilized are around personalization, and then the flip side of that that we were talking about earlier, security, and then speed of, of learning and, and adapting. Um, do you think that uh, a lot of that stems from an organization not being able to uh, build uh, an app that's that sophisticated because there's uh, code limitations? Maybe I, you know, I, I'm actually not advocating that every business needs an app. Uh, in fact, for most businesses, having a bare bone mobile strategy with uh, the basics of mobile marketing and then maybe a mobile friendly website is enough. But then some businesses, particularly businesses that collect a lot of data about their customers. Um, will need a, a stronger mobile strategy to differentiate themselves because if they don't do it, then their competitor will do it. And why it's important for companies that collect a lot of data, because of what I mentioned earlier, the big opportunity of mobile is personalization. It's leveraging real identity and context, all these things that we, we didn't have before. And if your business collects a lot of data, your competitors are also collecting a lot of data and you'll get a competitive advantage if you use that data to create better mobile experiences, more personalized. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are uh, totally overwhelmed with data and, and they're not utilizing it 
the way they should be that they're just saying oh like you know it, it's it's gigabytes and terabytes of, of of data how how do we mine this stuff or when they're mining it they're not able to comprehend what the data actually means do you think there is um an underserviced uh, part of, of, of the the industry where people can go in and take the data and then humanize it so that executives can look at it in, in a in a way that's not just number driven but more personal. You, you know, you're you're right that right now there are too much there's too much data to go around and it's really hard to make sense of it. Now there's a lot of hype in Silicon Valley around chatbots and artificial intelligence and um, what what this is really trying to do is say let's have a supercomputer um, super intelligence machine try to make sense of data and simplify it for us because it's just too much for us to process. What's interesting is that, you know, artificial intelligence has been around for decades and people are always saying like, oh, this is going to, you know, replace us and so on and so forth. Um, Artificial intelligence didn't really have a real application until mobile. Why? Because there wasn't enough data, right? Like there was so little data that all of us could process it. But now there is way too much data. We cannot process it anymore. And we need that extra, you know, computational power to process it. So maybe now is the time for artificial intelligence to become relevant. Now, do I believe that this is going to, you know, replace us and take our jobs and so on? Uh, Not at all. I think it's going to make our lives easier and better. And uh, it's going to help us focus on the things we love as opposed to the things we don't want to do, like processing a ton of data. Now, you know, people that get the book, What's the best way to to, to uh, approach it? Can, can they jump around in it, or should they be reading reading it cover to cover? You know, I made it very very easy. At the beginning of each chapter, there's a section called TLDR. Too long, didn't read. <laughs> it's basically a you know a half a page summary of what's in the chapter because I want people to read this book and take what is really necessary for them. I wrote a book thinking. I want to write something that I would want to read and I don't have a lot of time. So I created these sections and what I suggest is that, you know, you take a look at these sections and see if something interests you and then dig in. Mm. You you know, it's almost like you you approach this book like you would approach a mobile strategy is is people don't have a lot of time. They just need a a little bite size of of information. Should I go that direction? Oh, no, I shouldn't. Let's check the next one out because that's what people are doing on Facebook, on Snapchat. They're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling until something catches their eye and then they'll dive in and then they dive out again and start scrolling again. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking when I wrote it. Hmm. Um, For you, when you wrote the book, what was your aha moment, the, the thing that you go like, wow, now I finally get it? Well, um, I think there were a couple. Like the first one was, you know, when my publisher reached out and said, you have a pretty large audience. I I have a a mailing list with uh, uh, 10,000, actually 13,000 people now. Um, And you have this topic of mobile, which almost nobody writes about. How about you you write a book? And, And the first moment was... Oh shit! <laughs> I, I've I've always, you know, I wanted to do that. I come from a family where we write and read a lot of books, but now um, 
how am I going to make it sound like I had it all figured out from day one? Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously I had not, right? So I interviewed a lot of people and little by little things started to distill. Um, and I remember a conversation with, uh, with my fiancé where we were talking about mobile and he's not from the world of technology. And all of a sudden, you know, it came through that, yes, mobile products are extensions of ourselves. And that was a big aha moment that helped me, um, you know, put together my, my framework for the book, which is, which is all about that. The mobile formula is the mind-body spirit of mobile products. Mm, well, that's a perfect segue for Chapter 3, The Spirit Rule. You've got uh, mind is the learning, spirit is the meaning, and body is the beauty. I think the meaning is the most important part. I mean, they're, they're all important, but the, that's the one that's going to resonate with people and, and hit them on, you know, like on an on emotional level. And that's the thing that people are going to remember the most. Do you feel that that's the case? I think it's absolutely what's right now the biggest opportunity for mobile. Because saying we want our mobile product to change all the time, people get it, right? They understand that if they don't have a mobile strategy, they won't be in business in five years. Many companies have gone out of business. So there's that speed and that understanding that you need to keep up. That's the mind rule. It's understood. The body rule we all use these mobile products all the time. We have high expectations. And so we also understand that we expect our mobile products to be beautiful. And of course, you know, beauty is not just the pretty pictures. It's a lot of things. But the spiritual, like we want our products to give us meaning, to be personalized, to, you know, almost be like a companion to us that's more than um, just a, a machine, right? That's uh, you know, a little bit like the movie her, um, that's where the real potential is. And that's what has never been done before. And what's interesting is it goes back to, you know, that essence of mobility, real identity and context. And it's not just our phones. It's every single mobile device or connected technology. It's our car, it's our homes, it's our smartwatches, our tablets, everything. Yeah, it, it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating world we're living in right now because we're evolving at such a, a breakneck speed. But the the it's almost like we're evolving to a, a slightly different type of human where the interaction with uh, things, like that's the Internet of Things, obviously, that's coming up, um, where you walk towards your car and it opens the door and the engine starts and you sit down and it says, we're going to drive this way because it's going to be you know, five minutes faster, and you have this innate trust that the technology and the data and the things that are happening automatically all around you at all times are trustworthy, and it's, it's, it actually makes your life better, and you can spend your time and energy uh, thinking about other things. So it's freeing up a lot of your decisions. And, and I'm a big believer that the brain only has so much RAM to process ideas. So you, you, if it's cluttered with a bunch of, oh, if this, is there going to be bad traffic, and what's happening uh, over there, and do I have the right groceries at the house? If they don't have to think about that anymore, and that's all kind of been churning in the background and it's doing a relatively good job, it enables me to spend more time on the important things about running my business better, having a better relationship with my family, all those things I can spend uh, with my limited RAM in my brain on those things to do a better job. Do you think that's part of the, the, um, the evolution and the revolution of, of what's going on? 
Absolutely. I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, it's true that um, mobile will make our day-to-day life better in all the ways that you described. Other things that I'm super excited about as well is healthcare. Like right now, 75% of healthcare costs are going to trying to cure or prevent or monitor chronic diseases. Now, chronic diseases, there's nothing better than a mobile companion to help people monitor them and, and manage them. Um, so if you, if you look at you know, what mobile could do in the, in the realm of healthcare and the Internet of Things, it could um, really revolutionize the way we handle chronic diseases. And then the other area that I think is super exciting is smart cities. If you think of a city, and the city of Montreal has done some really, really interesting experiments here, which I talk about in my book. If you think about using real identity and using context at at the scale of a city, you you don't have traffic jams anymore. You have special offer for, you know, a meal when you get off the subway. You have, you know, a lot of environmental changes that are possible. It, It really changes how people live in their city. Mm. Well, and I think it's an evolving awareness thing. You know, if you wanted to look at a similar situation, it was when the the proliferation of websites where, you know, had a lot of companies that didn't even have a website. And I remember going in and having... uh, discussions with people and I said look at if you don't have a website it's like not it's it's like not having a business card and people say oh come on the business card is the most important tool you've got in your business these days website way more important than a, than a business card so as we move forward and and more and more data and and more things are happening uh, on a mobile level it's going to be evolving again and it's got to the point where it's yes you have to have a website but the type of website you have fundamentally has to shift and change. It's got to be much more intelligent. It's got to have analytical capabilities and the ability to uh, have the person that interfaces with your website customize the information you get from that website. And Google's done it. I mean, that's what makes Google so amazing. So do you feel that companies and and businesses that say, yes, we have a a mobile strategy and yes, we, we understand mobile, they fundamentally do not and they're not putting enough resources in that direction. Well, I think that there's a minimum that you need today uh, to still be relevant in mobile. And you mentioned a mobile website. Mobile website is absolutely critical. In fact, if you don't have a mobile website, you are penalized not just on mobile, but also on the web. The big search engines like Google will now penalize you if your mobile website, if your website is not a mobile friendly one. So mobile website, critical to any business today. And then the second thing that's really critical is some basics of mobile marketing. And by that, I mean uh, mobile friendly emails. You know, 70% of people today read their emails on a mobile device. So if your emails look like all tiny, tiny, and it's really hard to read, and it's really hard to click, and and so on and so forth on a mobile device, then you're really losing out. So um, mobile websites, mobile-friendly emails, and then a little bit of mobile advertising, because that way you can reach people where and where, when and where it matters to their decision-making as it relates to your business. The critical thing uh, about mobile strategy, I feel, is not that the company has a mobile strategy, 
but that it has a mobile strategy that is people-focused instead of uh, their business focus, which kind of sounds counterintuitive, but most uh, communication that goes out there, it's kind of got the old approach to doing uh, marketing communication, which is it's like, oh, we're the best at consulting. We're the best because our customers love us. And it's not giving relevant information to the customer that has either stumbled across it or has been driven there through marketing or has uh, connected with the company using a mobile device. Uh, Do you feel that organizations don't have like this giving attitude where it's like it's all about helping the customer at the very beginning of the relationship and then continuing to grow the type of help and focusing the help compared to we're the best at doing this and that's why you should buy our product? Yeah, absolutely. And when you said, you know, a mobile strategy is about people, it's human first. I I loved hearing it. It's uh, music to my ears. And here's why. Um, I mentioned that the essence of mobility is real identity and context. And so for businesses who haven't made that mobile transition yet and or see it as purely having the mobile website, right, checking the technology box, it's really hard for them to understand you know, how to be successful in mobile because they will continue to do things the old way as you were describing and ignore the fact that mobile has your real identity and your context. And so the expectation that we have is that it will use that real identity and that context. It will talk to me and not, you know, someone else. And it will talk to me at the right time and in the right place. That's definitely a huge adjustment. So how does a company adjust? Well, uh, you know, first thing is acknowledging it, acknowledging that mobile is a cultural transformation, not just a technology change. And then thinking about ways that a service can be personalized. I I talk about a lot of things related to that in my book. Um, You know, a great example of that is uh, Tinder, the dating service, which um, realized that Mobile is now, you know, using your real identity and your context. And so instead of creating some random avatar, which, you know, don't don't build trust between people who are eager to meet each other, it said, I'm going to use your real identity. I'm going to get to know your friends because I'm going to ask you to sign up using Facebook. And then once people have your real identity, your real pictures from Facebook, um, I will match you with people who are nearby and who shared your interest and who have friends in common. It's really mimicking real life, right? And so for, for small businesses that are trying to replicate that, I, I would really encourage you to think about like, how do I use real identity in my business to build a competitive advantage? And what is relevant about someone's context as it applies to my business. And then um, more technically speaking, um, you, you know, my book describes a lot of personalization filters that companies can implement. They can, um, you know, only when it's relevant, right? Is it relevant for your business to uh, get my address book? Is it relevant for your business to have access to my photos? Is it relevant for your business to know you know, my calendar, my health data, and so on and so forth. There is a lot of information available, and you want to leverage the ones that are relevant for your business. Yeah, also, you know, that that enables you to have a better relationship with your customer. If you're just being lazy about it and say, oh, we want all your data, that, that 
you're basically number one you're going to creep out your client base it's like why do you need to know all my friends i have that says nothing it's not your business and and you're going to end up um basically devolving your relationship even if it's a long-term relationship i think it's a little tricky for organizations that are uh, have been around a long time to uh, step into this realm because they have a lot of uh, basically uh, long-term relationship uh, with with clients that aren't able to give that data as easily as, as um, a millennial would be able to. So do you think it's a transitional stage we're at right now? Um, I think it's a permanent state of transition we're in right now. You know, take a, a photographer. A photographer... It's a fairly traditional business. And now what they have with mobile is, you know, they can, of course, they can embrace Instagram or services like 2020 to get paid for their photography. But if they decide to, um, you know, use a photography service, why not give, you know, that service access to their address book so that their beautiful work can be shared with friends and potential clients and so on and so forth, right? So I think there's definitely a bit of a shift in mentalities where instead of, you know, trying to maybe hide things or protect, you're more out there saying, look at, you know, look at the great work that I'm doing and, and sharing that and making that more available. But most of the time, it's a, it's a great thing because most people do great stuff. Yeah, I think where a lot of businesses are failing is they're not explaining adequately why they need that information. And, and that could be done very well in a story form, so it has a little bit more ref, uh, relevance to people. And, you know, we need your calendar because we've got these wonderful things that we're going to be able to give you because of that. So they're not defining the benefit of giving the data away. Absolutely. And I'll give you an example. Um, at, at, uh, when I was working at, uh, at Facebook, we were asking for permission to send our users push notifications. And then um, at some point, we added a, a small screen before that ask and said, you know, if you give us permission to send you push notifications, you'll be able to receive message instantly. You'll know immediately when someone tags you in the picture and so on and so forth. So we outlined the benefits before we asked for the permission and we saw a massive jump. And when I say massive, I'm talking like double digit percentage in the number of people who said, okay, now that I understand it, I'm going to give you that permission. So really, I mean, there's there some, some businesses that are doing it right and there's a whole pile that just haven't really gotten to it. And, and really, that's what this book is about. It, you're, you're outlining the fundamentals like this is the way you've got to approach it because as you said before, if you're not going to do this, you're not going to be around to worry about that in the future. So for, for you know, our, our listening audience, what is the one thing that they should be doing now or today to move in that direction? Well, they really, they really should read my book. <laughs> uh, uh, here, here's the reason. By the way, you know, that the book came out uh, in the spring. Uh, it already sold 10,000 copies and, you know, uh, people have reacted really well to it. But the reason I say that is because um, most of my effort writing this book was to make sure that any level of proficiency was mobile 
would get something out of it. So somebody who's sort of just starting and has been reluctant because it, you know he or she doesn't necessarily see the benefit will get something out of it. Somebody who's been a mobile consultant for 10 or 15 years will also get something out of it. It's a very easy read and um, and I really suggest that you know you check it out and then if you want you know to have a conversation with me, go to my website www.scmoatti.com. You can send me an email and there's also a way that you can grab 15 minutes with me to, uh, to ask me some questions after you read the book. Oh, that's really nice. Now, what about tools and, and um, devices uh, on your website that people can go to or, or blogs that they can go to to keep learning and, and uh, keep up? Because literally things are changing so fast that people need you know, updated information. Yes, absolutely. So some of the companies that, you know, I think do a great job at that, uh, besides, you know, I, I, I have a blog on my website as well, but um, some of the companies that I think do a great job are uh, InVision for design, I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N.com, uh, LeanPlum for um, personalization, L-E-A-N. P-L-U-M.com, and then Amplitude, A-M-P-L-I-T-U-D-E.com for analytics, right? So I covered the three rules, the body, <laughs> spirit, and mind. You know, and Amplitude, I've heard of those guys, an amazing, amazing uh, service that they've got out there. Do you think that these type of services um, are going to evolve and uh become more readily available to, to, you know, smaller businesses and, and uh, enable people to kind of get their head around what the data is and what it can do for them. Absolutely. And, you know, in the few years that I've worked with all these three companies, I've already seen them completely evolve their offering and broaden it and refine it and sharpen it. So um, I, I encourage uh, businesses of all sides to check them out. Now, do you think businesses should be in perpetual beta in the sense that, uh, you know, uh, every quarter they should be really looking at what they're offering and make some tough decisions saying, look, at you know, it doesn't seem that going this direction makes a lot of sense. Should we be pivoting a little bit in this new direction? Do you think that's a viable strategy, whereas uh, in the past, organizations that changed a lot had a very hard time uh, being profitable? So the the short answer is yes. Companies should constantly be looking and evolve, looking at and evolving their strategy. Whether it's a three month cycle or you know shorter or longer, really depends on their business. Um, I'll I'll give you a a quote from uh, John Chambers, the former CEO of Cisco. Uh, he said, I, I had uh, I was lucky to uh, to listen to him and 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 talk to him a little bit. He said that when he was running Cisco. He used to think of completely renewing and changing the strategy of Cisco every five to seven years. And that now when he coaches CEOs and business leaders or industry captains, he says, you need to change your business about every three years. Well, that's a huge shift. And and even three years, think of what's happened in the last three years. Um, how things have changed, how um, a lot of services have been disrupting old, old systems. I think that a company has to be way more nimble and not be married and, and kind of locked into their old way of doing things because if they don't, they won't be able to evolve fast enough. Um, 
Do you think that that's going to increase or is it going to settle down a little bit more in the future? <laughs> um, I think it's going to stay the same. And and I'll tell you, for most companies, you know, if, um, if um, you're facing you know, big decisions, like how much do we want to embrace mobile? Um, you have sort of two options. Either you, you run with everybody, so it's a race, um, or you have enough money in your, in your bank account that you can actually afford to wait and buy your way into mobile. And at the very beginning of, uh, of mobile, that's the strategy that Facebook adopted, right? It said, you know, we, we're big enough, like mobile is coming, but, but, you know, we, We'll see. And then, you know, the company started to really struggle with mobile. Uh, and it mobile goes so fast that it was sort of too late. Uh, Facebook was lucky that it has enough money that it was able to buy, you know, Instagram and WhatsApp and a lot of other smaller companies uh, um, or make, made a bunch of talent acquisitions. And that's how I came to Facebook. But not every company can afford that. Well, exactly. And one of the tough things about having... Um a pivot-driven strategy is that it makes it incredibly difficult for um, people in, in the C-suite level to be making these decisions. And, you know, it's like, it's very tough because you start second-guessing yourself. Well, yes and no. So here's uh, advice for CEOs. Uh, you need the right executives in your in your um team because if you're looking for people who are conservative don't embrace change don't understand technology you might look at getting a different team yeah or having new team members brought on board that are more um savvy to the to the mobile uh strategy that's coming critical to any organization to survive and it's it's kind of goes back to what you're talking about with a large company acquiring specific talent you can still go in and say okay um we need um in the c-suite level we need a mobile specialist so let's get the hr department to bring in somebody that's being uh pushing mobile for a long time and have them sitting as an advisor at the beginning but eventually they're going to be sitting and, and have like a a coo position in fact is there a c-suite position for a mobile strategist do they have like a CEO or like a it would be like a com Typically, what I see right now is that it sits um, in the uh, either with the CEO himself or with the chief marketing, chief product, chief technology officer. Yeah, you know, the role of the chief technology officer has definitely evolved um, in the past. Well, you know, it. I think a lot of the C-suite roles have changed in the last 10 years, but because of mobile, which one do you think has changed the most as far as them getting more responsibility and, and actually having a little bit more say in the meetings? I, I definitely think the CMO has uh, had the most changes in uh, in its um, responsibility. The CMO used to, most of the time, not be part of the uh, direct report to CEO but now like they are responsible for so many things and they have to be so skilled, right? They are responsible for the entire customer experience from the moment they hear about your product to the moment they buy it to the moment they have a problem with it and they need support and so on and so forth. And Or they're happy with it, they become a reference. So the complete end-to-end experience. And then they also, just because of how quickly technology has changed, they need to be 
both right brain and left brain, right? They need to understand complex data architecture. They need to understand customer trends around technology. They also need to have empathy and understand their customers' emotions and decision-making process. So the, the requirements for CMO, I think, is a lot, lot higher right now. And it's a lot more critical for the success of a business. But do you think the CMO is being taken way more seriously now and are they being compensated properly and given the right type of authority so they can do the things that they need to do? I think there's a lot that needs to be done there still. So in in a market, in you know putting together a, a mobile strategy, um, obviously that's in the realm of the CMO, but what other... Um, C, you know, C-level person should be involved in, in that, this strategy other than obviously the CEO? Well, I'll tell you what happens uh, typically in companies. Uh, the CMO will be the first one to notice that it's go mobile or, or, or die. And they will um, allocate some of their budget to mobile marketing. And then they'll realize that without a mobile product, their options are actually pretty limited. Um, They can do a little bit of advertising, but that's about it. So they'll turn to the CTO and the CTO will um, be, you know, asked to create a bunch of mobile products. CTO will be very happy. I'm going to build apps. I'm going to be output apps for tablets, for Android, for iPhone. I'm going to build a mobile website and so on and so forth. And then they'll share the bill with the CFO and the CFO will be, no, no, no. First of all, that's too expensive. Second, I was there in 2000 when you had me spend a lot of money on websites that didn't give me any revenue. And then the CEO will get involved. And so you'll have that dialogue, CMO, CTO, CFO, CEO, going round and round and constantly adjusting. Like, we need to spend more on mobile, says the CMO. It's going to cost you a lot of money, says the CTO. There's no way we're doing that says the CFO, and then the CEO is going to have to sort of find a balance. Yeah, well, and that that's a very, very tough decision to people may make because if they do it wrong and they don't get it and they don't understand the importance of uh, their mobile strategy, they're not going to be in business anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stakes are really high. So what can people in C-suite and, and, and senior management do to... Um, cajole the people that need to get that this is critically important other than like, hey, read this book? <laughs> um, you know, I, I think there's generally an awareness that it's go mobile or die. The question is like, what does it mean to go mobile? And a lot of times people will feel that they have to do the whole shebang, like build the big apps for Android, for iOS, for a lot of things. And then that's only the beginning of the game because how do you stand out in the app store? You have to spend a lot of money to get people to download your app and so on and so forth. So it looks like a very expensive project with very little return. So I think that what people can do is is deflate that and, and bring back reality saying, well, Maybe we don't need an app. Maybe we start with a very strong mobile website. Maybe we don't need to spend a lot of money getting downloads in the app store. We just start with some, you know, mobile marketing based on coupon or promotions, or we get our, our email squared up. And, and let's, let's start with that and then go to the next priority. So go in phases, I think, is a great way to get people on board. Yeah, small steps to, to create something much bigger. And it's also, 
listening, I think, is a big point where instead of like trying to, like you say, do the perfect solution, which is a crazy approach to do things, um, look at it and say, well, let's just do this little step and then let's let's step back and look at it. How is our market reacting to this? How are the people that interface with our brand reacting to this? Is it good? Is it bad? Are we getting feedback? Are we listening to that feedback? And then the next step they make takes all that information into consideration and they evolve in that direction because let's face it, we're, we're we get amazing feedback through social enterprise, um, social platforms like Facebook, where people are constantly uh, have opinions about your brand, negative and positive, and nobody's listening or nobody's taking that stuff seriously and saying, well, okay, if these people are constantly complaining about this, why are we still doing it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one thing that um, I, I actually also recommend in my book is using a metric called the Net Promoter Score, which is a great tool for anyone and any company to get immediate feedback on how they're doing it's not looking at oh we did this did that work or we changed that did that work it's looking at purely from a customer or user perspective how are we doing like are we are we are we happy like are are our customers happy or not and then if not then there's a way to gather feedback on why they're not and that's that's the real gold that's the real value Hey, we've been chatting about this amazing book, Mobilized, an insider's guide to the business and future of connecting technology. And Essie is heavily, heavily involved. And boy, is she ever an insider. Check her out. Check out this book. It's got to be one of those books. If you don't read, you won't be reading any business books in five years because you won't have a company that you're in. So go out, get it. And um, please check out her very generous offer of of, uh, connecting with her and uh, her giving you some of her valuable time. SC, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. It's been really fun chatting with you. Thanks for listening to the show. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Like us at Facebook forward slash Business Book Talk. Follow the host on Twitter at Bob Garlic. Visit the website businessbooktalk.com for show notes and lots of other great interviews. See you next week.